Hey everyone, welcome back to the online ministry of Grace Baptist Church. We're in a series right now called The Unstuck Life. And we've been saying that some people are stuck because they've never, never heard or only believe part of the gospel message. Others never learn to connect to God's power in their lives. And some people figure out the receiving part, but not the sharing. We're convinced that the path to the unstuck life is believe, connect, share. And we hope that God leads you along that path as we look at the Bible together. Now, I wanted to share some good news, bad news with you. What do you want, me to, what do you want to hear first? Well, let me start with the good news. The good news is the divorce rate has been steadily dropping. Have you heard this? Back in the 80s, they used to say that the chance of a marriage ending in divorce was 50%. Now that figure is less than 40%. And that's good news, right? Unfortunately, the reason for the dropping divorce rate is bad news. Instead of getting married, many people are just moving in or sleeping around. They want some of the benefits of marriage without the commitment part. And analysts are concerned for them. And they're concerned because marriage provides financial protection for a spouse and legal protection for children. There are well-documented physical, emotional, and social benefits. But more and more people are just deciding it's a piece of paper and we're all more vulnerable as a result. Today's message has nothing to do with marriage. But I'm convinced that the same dynamics that we see in people's attitude toward marriage are at work in people's attitudes towards membership in the church. And so I'm predicting this will be the most unpopular message in our series so far. Up until this point, we've looked at what it means to believe and respond to the incredible truths of the gospel. No problem there. Then we've seen how we connect to God's power in our daily lives through the gospel, through prayer, and through the Holy Spirit. And all of that was great. But for many of you, it may sound out of place for me to say that one of the foundational ways that you connect to God's power is by becoming a member of a local church. In fact, I suspect some of you may think that's a ridiculous statement, <laughs> but I believe it wholeheartedly. And I want to try and convince you of it from scripture. So let's go there now. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. If you don't have a Bible, click on the link for today's passage in the description below. Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of God. Now this passage starts by talking about the role of leaders in a believer's growth. And then it ends by talking about the role of spiritual relationships and fellowship in a believer's growth. 
But in the middle of those two, sandwiched in between them, it describes why the stakes are so high, why these, these things are so important. And the message is that children aren't safe out on their own. We begin a new life with Jesus as spiritual infants, and so we're spiritually vulnerable. There are real threats and real dangers. And the solution he gives isn't just prayer and Bible reading, as important as those are. We need something more. Children aren't safe out on their own. Now, in the middle of our passage, verse 14 starts with the words, so that we may no longer be children. He says no longer be children because everyone starts off as a spiritual baby, a spiritual child. And to put your trust in Jesus is to be born again into a new relationship with God, marked by new values, new priorities, and new standards. Nobody is born again fully mature. We start off as children. Literally, the word for children here is the one used for infants and toddlers. And the point, his point is how vulnerable we are. The rest of the verse is, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Now, Paul had experienced how deadly the sea could become when storms hit. He had personally survived a shipwreck and seen how easily the winds could smash a ship against the rocks. His message is that those are the kinds of spiritual threats that we're up against. The first he lists is the wind of doctrine. If you hadn't noticed, people believe a lot of crazy stuff out there. If you're looking to Google to disciple you, there are some wonderful resources, but you're also going to open yourself up to some strange teachings. Some of those teachings are just wrong. They might come from otherwise good people who are misguided. But then Paul lists human cunning craftiness and deceitful schemes. And the warning is that there are people who are out to deliberately deceive you. And maybe that's in your understanding of scripture or your standards of sexuality or your beliefs about the will of God. And the problem is that they wear titles like supervisor and professor and pastor. Jesus just called them wolves in sheep's clothing. And as long as you're a spiritual toddler, you're an easy target for them and they're out to shipwreck your faith. But even before they arrive on the scene, you've got all kinds of wrong thinking and distorted values that you brought in with you from your old life. That's why in Galatians 4.3, Paul puts it like this. When we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. When you come to faith, you might love Jesus, but you still think like the world. That's all still ingrained in how you see life. And if you don't grow up, those values will continue to dictate how you live and they'll rob your joy, your testimony, and your holiness. I remember one time in Japan when our kids were really young. I was playing outside with them and the neighbor's two toddlers came out to the first floor balcony. One of them was three or four and had marker on her face from where she had been coloring. <laughs> the other was barely walking but her diaper was hanging down like she was carrying a watermelon between her legs. I don't know how long it had been since it had been changed. I thought maybe the mother must be resting, but I was concerned for them. When I saw another neighbor, I asked if she knew what was up and whether the children were okay. 
That's when I learned that the mother was at the casino for a little afternoon gambling. For me, that's always been this terrifying picture of how vulnerable small children are. And it's a reminder of how vulnerable spiritual children are too. Children aren't safe out on their own. So what's your plan for not getting tossed about by the winds of strange doctrine? How are you intending to avoid the shipwreck of your faith when the wolves come? I would think you've probably got some ideas, but I wonder where church membership fits into those. <laughs> probably nowhere, right? That's not the answer you were thinking of, was it? Well, let's look at the rest of the passage and see how the Apostle Paul answers the question. I want you to see how through church membership, you commit to the leaders that Jesus gave to help you. Church leaders are at the heart of God's plan to protect you while you're spiritually young and assure that you continue to grow. And it's through church membership that you express your commitment to them. Watch what Paul says in verses 11 and 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now, today we won't go into detail about the function of each of these different roles. But what I want you to see is that they're God's gift to equip you and ultimately mature you. Notice that before listing the various church leaders, Paul says, and he gave. There don't just happen to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Jesus raises them up and he gives them to the church as a gift. Now, in my case, maybe you're wishing that this was a gift exchange and you could trade up. But regardless, their job and my job isn't to provide a Sunday morning religious experience. I'm tasked with equipping you for the work of the ministry. Because until you're equipped to serve God and to serve one another, the body of Christ is weak and we're all in jeopardy. So I equip you so you can build each other up and we keep doing that, verse 13 says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When I appear before Jesus, he's not going to ask me whether people liked my sermons. He's not going to ask whether I was known for my eloquent prayers. He's going to evaluate me on the basis of how I equipped you to build each other up. He'll measure whether I helped you help each other. My report card is your unity and your maturity. And I get a failing grade if I stand up and give you some religious entertainment and you keep on living the spiritual toddlers. And I've wondered whether you've seen spiritual leadership that way. Hebrews 13, 17 says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. If church leaders are God's plan to help you avoid a spiritual shipwreck, the question is, which ones? Charles Stanley? Pope Francis? Who are you supposed to submit to? John MacArthur? Benny Hinn? Who's going to give an account for your soul? David Jeremiah? Joel Osteen? Up until fairly recently, that wasn't even a question. 
Through the process of church membership, a person would say, I'm committed to this church's leadership. <laughs> but things have changed. In the same way that many people will sleep around and avoid the commitment of marriage, many Christians today will trade commitment to a local church for a smorgasbord of spiritual influences that they pick and choose. And when we do that, we're like the toddler on the balcony with a soggy diaper. Because ultimately, we're responsible to no one and no one's responsible for us. Now, I think most people have some sense of this. But they figure, I attend a church and I like it well enough. How would membership change that? Well, it changes it in the same sense that it formalizes the commitment. It changes it in the same way a wedding changes things for a couple. If a guy says he loves you, but isn't willing to marry you, you can't help but feel something must be missing in the relationship. If you attend a church but never commit to it, it sends a message that you're keeping your distance, you're keeping your options open. And in doing that, you disconnect from one of the key ways that God has planned to protect and mature you. So that's one half of God's solution in this passage to keep us from being tossed to and fro in spiritual immaturity. Through church membership, you commit to the leaders Jesus gave you. But the other half comes in the bottom half of this scripture. And the principle is that through church membership, you commit to the family Jesus gave you. Church membership formalizes your bond with a particular church body that is God's means for your health and growth. We started by looking at verse 14, where it talked about being tossed back and forth like spiritual toddlers. Watch what it says directly following that in verse 15 now. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Now, this is giving the alternative. Instead of getting rocked back and forth by false doctrine and deceptive schemes, believers are to be speaking the truth in love and growing up into the likeness of Jesus. Now, that's not what I would have expected it to say. I thought it would say, listening to the truth in love. Or maybe listening to the truth and responding in love. But Paul isn't telling us to listen to sermons where people tell us the truth. He envisions a church that is so well equipped by its leaders that the church community itself it consists of people speaking truth into each other's lives, but doing so in love. It's a picture of fellowship. But it's not a free-for-all where I speak my truth and you speak your truth. The verse says that the head of the body is Jesus Christ. And if a church family becomes disconnected from Jesus as the head and starts acting by some other agenda, it's time to look for, for, for the door. But after starting with this reference to Jesus as the head, watch what he says in verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Although Jesus is the head, we don't get our growth from him directly. The body builds itself up in love as each part is working properly. And notice this, the whole body is joined and held together properly. 
This is where Christian spirituality dies in North America. People don't see the church as a place where everyone is joined and held together. The tendency instead is to see the church as a seminar, not a family. And we think we'll grow as long as we're connected to Jesus. But that's not what the verse says. Hear me now, Jesus isn't an octopus. <laughs> the body of Christ isn't an octopus with Jesus as the big head and all of us as little tentacles that connect directly to the head. No, the body of Christ is made up of arms and legs and feet and hands. We're all supposed to connect tightly together, serving one another and speaking the truth in love. And it's the body as a whole that brings the growth. We connect to Jesus through all of the other members of the church. Listen to how Paul puts it in Colossians 2.19. Holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. We get our life from Jesus, but we can't grow if we're not knit together or tightly joined to other people in the body of Christ. And maybe you're thinking, I think I get your point, Paul, but... Are you trying to say that the way we get knit together in the body is through church membership? <laughs> and I'd say, of course not. No more than a marriage license makes for a deep and satisfying marriage. You need love and commitment and time and patience and communication, forgiveness and grace. We work at all of those things through our, our fellowship time in between services and primarily through our life groups during the week and the relationships we try to build through them. But just as the wedding formalizes a marriage, church membership formalizes a person's commitment to a particular body. And without it, the message is, I'm not looking to get too close. I'm not sure that I'm sticking around. Or I'm not sure that I want to believe what you guys do. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Paul says this, You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. If you're part of the body of Christ, which body are you a member of? It, it can't just be an abstract concept, right? If you're a child of God, God wants you to be planted in the family of God, in a particular family of God. He wants you to be invested in the lives of spiritual brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles. So what do you do with a message like this? If you're new to Christianity and still trying to figure out what it's all about, the takeaway for you isn't that you should become a church member. That would be like proposing to a girl on the first date. You need to back up to the good news about what Jesus has done for you. You need to see how Jesus' death on the cross for your sins provides for your forgiveness and acceptance with the Holy God. But hear me saying that what's on the other side of that isn't you floundering like a spiritual toddler. God gives his children families to protect them and to help them grow. Now, many of you already are church members, but maybe you haven't thought very deeply about why you are. Don't let the relationship end with a wedding. That shouldn't be the high point. Recognize the leaders that Jesus has gifted to the church. They're given to equip you and to mature you. Lean into fellowship and the relationships in the body of Christ. Lift others up, draw others in. 
Speak the truth in love. But maybe you'd say, Paul, I don't know if I want to become a member of this church. And I'd say, great. That wasn't the point of the message. All I'm saying is become a member of some church. Commit yourself to some church's spiritual leaders. Be a part of a church family. And maybe what's keeping you back is that you disagree with the way some, some things are done. Or you have different beliefs in some area. And what I'd say is that the process of church membership is how you work through those things. And what you might find is that you experience the power of people speaking the truth and love personally to you for the very first time. You might taste the freedom of submitting your beliefs to scripture and other believers in the family of God. You might feel the warmth that comes from not just flirting with the church, but becoming a part of it. And that's where God's power is. That's where he brings the growth. That's where he changes lives. And unfortunately, the alternative is you remain a church of one, submitted to no one and in charge of yourself. Don't let that happen. Get connected to the body. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you care too deeply for your children to see them tossed to and fro in the winds of strange teachings and deceptive schemes. You want to rescue us from that and protect us from that. And so you've gifted the church with leaders. Help us to see them as those who are given for our protection. Help us to recognize those who are rightly connected to the head, who is Jesus Christ. That we might be protected from the wolves. Father, help us to see others in the body of Christ. Not just to look for friends, but to recognize this is our spiritual family. And to invest our lives in brothers and sisters in Christ. With whom we might grow, with whom we might speak the truth in love, with whom we might receive and give. Show your mercy, Father, and guide us forward. Help us to take steps of commitment out of reverence for you. For we ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I hope this message has helped you to see the power that can come when we connect to the church and membership. It says we commit to the leaders God gives and the church family he provides that we grow strong and mature in Christ. And if it stirred up questions or you'd like to know more about what's involved in a relationship with Jesus or membership in a church, send me an email or leave a comment below. And if you think this is a message that others need to hear, share the link and help spread the word. As always, for more messages of hope, visit gracebc.ca. God bless and see you next time.